You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. That's right, my friends. It's the 56th episode of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, and my guest today is Letitia Vito. Letitia is a writer and a public speaker and an expert in the future of work and consumption. Today, Letitia and I discuss the workforce, we discuss women in the workplace, and we discuss the impact of the pandemic on all workers, but especially women. Ready to hear more? Let's get started. Your host, Mediocre Mitch, and welcome to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6, the 56th episode of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. Before I get into Letitia, let me cover a couple of things. So first, as you probably have seen and followed on Instagram, Meet Mediocrity now has an active and regular YouTube channel. That's right. Each week on Tuesdays, I have been and will be releasing a video around five minutes about my health and wellness insights and journey. I'm by no means a specialist. I'm by no means an expert, but I do share stories, insights, thoughts, experiences that I think are useful. I think they might be relatable, and I try to do it with a little bit of fun. So we've got two of my weekly YouTube videos released. Check them out, subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can always also find the the videos on meetmediocrity.com, which leads me to the second point, and that is if you go to meetmediocrity.com, please enter your email address to join our email list. Why? Not because we're going to bombard you with ads or solicitations, but I'm putting out a weekly newsletter on Thursdays. We've released two, and we will continue to release them. So I'm on a two-week streak, and you'll continue to get them weekly. Those weekly newsletters give updates on the past week, so recaps, um, forward-looking towards the next week, insights. Um, and also a special only for the newsletter wellness tip of the week that includes some insights. Sometimes I'm going to attach um, articles or book recommendations or video clips or things that might be interesting to you that are exclusive to the newsletter. So please subscribe to that. The newsletters that we've put out over the past couple of weeks are really great, and they only take a couple of minutes of your time at most. So. With that out of the way, let me talk a little bit about my conversation today with Letitia Vito. Um, Let me first spell Letitia's name so you can find her website, LetitiaVito.com. That's L-A-E-T-I-T-I-A-V-I-T-A-U-D. So Letitia Vito, um, she can be found um, on that website, LetitiaVito.com. You can also find her on LinkedIn. And... You can find her on Twitter. But the other thing you can do is you can you can subscribe, like I did, to her newsletter, Letitia at Work, which 
is about the future and the current state and future of work. And frankly, Letitia's writing is excellent. She was referred to me by a friend who thought I would find her interesting, and I did. And I can tell you, I don't normally subscribe to written newsletters or blogs, even though I just asked you to subscribe to mine. Um, but I tried, I, I, mine I try to make really short and sweet and concise and an easy read. So no harm in, in subscribing to mine. Letitia's insightful, well-written, thoughtful, and frankly, I learn something every time I read her newsletter, Letitia at Work. The other thing Letitia has is a podcast called Building Bridges, and you know, very deep and insightful thoughts around the workforce, around cultural differences, around differences between men and women, um, differences in, in, in ages of, of workers and workforce and their approach to the workplace. So it's incredibly interesting because it's really a look at society, a global society, and one that we can we all live in and one we can all learn from. So that brings us to today's conversation. So um, Letitia and I had a great conversation. We really spoke about primarily women in the workplace, but not just generally. We talked about the str- great strides women were make, are making in the workplace and then what happened when the pandemic hit and how that impacted women and how that impacted families as it relates to the workplace. And then we get a little bit into what the future holds in store. So great conversation. I don't want to steal her thunder. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Letitia Vito. So Letitia, thanks for being with me today. Thank you, Miss. Thanks for inviting me. I am thrilled to have you. So in my little corner of the world, you're a bit of a celebrity um, because I listen to your Building Bridges podcast and I read your Letitia at Work newsletter. And um, you're, you're a expert in the future of work. Um, you're also a, f- a self-described feminist. And um, the things you have said on your podcast and written in your newsletter really resonate with you, or re- really resonate with me. So I'm thrilled <laughs> to have they resonate with me. So I'm thrilled to have you on today's podcast. So thank you. Great, thank you. Um, so Letitia, the future of work. Um, I, I that's a, such a broad that's a, such a broad comment, but. I'm sure the future of work, your perspectives on the future of work um, perhaps were one way a year ago and perhaps have modified now, having lived uh, the past year through a global pandemic. So can you give me some broad perspectives on how you viewed the future of work pre-COVID and how you view the future of work now? And then we'll go from there. Okay, um, interesting question. In fact, a lot of the things that I wrote about have been proved true, more true <laughs> because of the pandemic, or because some of the things that I um, that I wrote about the importance of proximity services, the the role of empathy in in these services, and so that the um, um, 
the very important role of female workers in, in, in urban spaces. And all those people were the essential workers during the pandemic. For there sure. were a lot of women among them. There certainly and, were. Uh, and, and a lot of the problems that I wrote about were related to how um, there is little value, economic value associated to those services. Mm -hmm. And these are precisely the people who are suffering the most now because they're not protected at the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of these workers had, um, you know, not enough um, PPE equipment to, right. uh, you know, be protected against the virus, but they were also not protected economically. A lot of them lost their jobs, for example, domestic workers, yep. cleaning women, immigrant cleaning women who yep. suddenly were out of a job with no revenues, but in, in, in not, you know, in a position to go back home or send money home to their families in the Philippines and Africa or wherever it is That's that their correct. families sure. stay behind. So these are the things that I think made it all in a way I was like it was I, I felt vindicated it's like oh see that was what I was saying all along um but there were things in fact that I that I didn't anticipate I didn't anticipate that um the advances that women have made in the in the world of work and the um, you know, the power they gained and the money they gained and the independence they gained, I didn't anticipate that it will that it would go back so quickly and so dramatically. I didn't anticipate that so many women would decide to quit work altogether to look after their children. Um, and, and in the US, it's close to a million women, close to a million who basically left their job for good. And for whom it will be so much harder um, to go back to work in the near future, because after when you when you're a long term unemployed person, you you know it's just that what you've lost in terms of career is it accrues over time, and there's no there's no going back. So, so Letitia, you're seeing yeah. so you're seeing statistically that there are many more women than than you might have anticipated who because of of covid left their jobs to care for family help school their children whatever the case may be and left the workforce exactly exactly and the figures are very dramatic in in the US and in the UK uh, where there is no, you know, system of partial unemployment benefits that a lot of Europeans have, and so the women who make the don't have to make the same choices in France or Germany. Those who have a job can basically stay at home and look after their children because they receive these benefits, and right. then theoretically they can go back to their old job. Um, it, it's it's they didn't have to quit. Um, it, it, I said theoretically, because in reality, the fact that they stop working, even though they have benefits, will also be very bad in, in the long term because, of, you know, they will miss out on the promotion. They will. Right. Well, lots of things that are lost, too. Well, it's an interesting observation. I have a close friend who actually called me um, during the, the holiday break before New Year's to tell me that he was taking an, a, a successful career professional who was going to go to a part-time schedule at his job and put his career advancement at risk, or at least he felt he was, um, so that his wife, who was a, a registered nurse and, and was busy saving lives, uh, could continue. And, and, and I said, um, thank you. 
on multiple levels because frankly, um, he was an accountant. I, I'd say a registered nurse in society is probably more important these days. And thank you um, for not letting uh, your masculinity or what have you, mm. your sexism stand in the way of it. Um, because it, it, it frankly, and, and, you know, it wasn't just a thank you because it was the right thing for him and his family. And um, there were a lot of personal um, reasons that went into it, but that was just a glimpse. It sounds to me like the vast majority of, of the statistics show the reverse, that it's yeah. the woman who's coming home, the woman who's helping those kids get their homework done online. And, and that, that presents, I think, a problem, Letitia, because for all the reasons that we saw women advancing or starting to see like real movement in, in, in pay inequality and things like that. We were just starting to see some of that in 2018, 2019. So now we've got taken a step back, right? Sounds like exactly. And, and what we're realizing is how this was all um, very fragile, uh, very fragile progress. In fact, all those, you know, career women who made it in the corporate world, they depend on other women. It's not mm. that the domestic chores are shared evenly between the two partners in the right. household. It's just that the chores, the, the domestic chores and, and, and the education of children is outsourced. I was just going to say outsourced. Women. Yes. Exactly. To yeah. other women. And it's yeah. just still women. And, and right. that's the main problem. So in fact, these advances were in a way, uh, I wouldn't say artificial, but they they were just based on Rich women externalizing or outsourcing outsourcing some of the domestic work to poor women. Yep. And it's all still women. And yep. so long as care and education and anything home-related is associated exclu exclusively to what's female, to the feminine, then we have a problem. Because as That's soon right. as this outsourcing becomes impossible, so everything was, well, insourced back or, or internalized, re-internalized in the home. And then it became obvious that it's still, you know, In, absolutely yeah, it's, not it's, shared it's, evenly. It's what we would it's what we would call a flawed a flawed supply chain. Exactly. It's the same. Re it's the same reason that that there is a shortage of iPhones or a shortage of anything else. Um, it was a flawed supply chain. Yeah. Um. So, Letitia, there are a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who are either, and frankly, I think this applies to men or women, right? Um, we're going to God willing, um, get past COVID. Um, I don't know whether it's in a month or a year or, or some other time, but it will be long. <laughs> I, 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 it's certainly not going to be a month. Even if you get your yeah. first vaccine in a month, it's going to be far more than that. But let, let's look let's look at 12 plus months mm. to kind of a more normalized post COVID world, not, not normal, normal, normal mm. post COVID world. What could people be thinking about today to position themselves for a fulfilling work-life situation when we get to that point in time, both men and women? Mm. Both men and women have to realize that this, this domestic environment is not just the private, it's not just 
you know, private decisions and individual things. It's a political thing. And what happens in the home has this, this very dramatic impact on the GDP, on society, on everybody. Because if you re-internalize and you have women leave their jobs, that's a massive loss for everyone. It's a loss for the you know, the poor woman who used to do the the, the, the task at home, uh, the poorer yep. woman, usually immigrants yep. uh, or minority women. And yep. it's a loss for the career woman who used to be an accountant or a consultant or whatever, who's um, forced to stay at home. Right. And so that means that these, the, these things that are outsourced on an individual level, like people think this is my, this is the decision of my household. I pick a nanny and I pay her this much and I do this and I do that. And I did do all these arbitrage in the household. This is this is a, a stupid way of looking at it. Um, we need these infrastructures for work and female work and male work to be possible, to be supported. And for example, the care of children, it's like education. This is, I mean, this is something that's um it's a it's a national subject. It's not just a private issue, it's right. a national subject. And I, it's particularly an American problem that you that a lot of Americans don't see it that way. Um, right. Whereas a lot of Europeans, Scandinavians, etc., they do see that this is a big issue, and that's why during um, the pandemic they were so hesitant to close the schools because they knew that closing the schools would have such a huge impact in particular on on on, on female workers on all workers right. but on female workers uh, disproportionately mm -hmm. and and yeah eventually they did close them too <laughs> right. but they had that in mind and they there was always balancing between um you know the or choosing the lesser of two evils if it's a if it's a life and death situation you might choose life over equality well so so I agree with you that it's a fragile situation. And I agree with you that there are certain things that, that no individual can do without some government support, whatever that might be. Um, but are there things, or at least mindsets, um, especially women who have either left the workforce to take care of things at home, or women, or women who are looking to expand their lives, however they choose. How, are there things they can be thinking about today, government, government or non-government, you know, supported, that can help them be successful when we get to that post-pandemic norm? Well, one of the things that's very important is to keep in mind that even if it seems to make sense financially to give up work to look after your children, because, uh, you know, s s solutions to externalize those services seem like they're not worth it, mm -hmm. that you have to do a little bit of financial actualization and look into the future and, and think about the household as a whole. And, and one of the things in terms of mindset that's a mistake is never compare the cost of childcare with the revenues of the woman or the revenues of any one individual in the household. Mm. Compare it with possible revenues and future revenues for the whole household. And bear in mind that if you leave work completely for over one year or or of course, even if, you, if it's more, it's more true if it's more than one year, then the losses in the future will accrue over time. 
So it, be, it, becomes, it becomes a multiplier effect. Exactly. So basically, you need financial skills. You need to think not in this very static way of, you know, what does it cost now and how much do I make now? But you have to look at it in a dynamic way. What are possible future revenues, etc.? And basically, this is a life skill that we're going to need more and more because we live longer and longer, <laughs> because there will be multiple transitions in our professional lives and because, you know, problems, whether it's COVID or another climate, climate disaster in the future or anything else mean that there will be more radical transformations and crises that we'll all have to go through. And we have to have those financial skills. Think in terms of, um, yeah, what decision, what impact can the decisions that I make now have in, in the future? And how do I, how do I save enough? How do I think about future revenues as well as present revenues? Yeah, so I, so just to paraphrase, um, it, it's a multi-dimensional analysis, and too many people will sit there. Too many women, for sure. I've I've heard this yeah. for years. I make a hundred dollars, and if I spend sixty-five dollars on on uh, childcare, it's not worth it. I'm really working for thirty-five dollars. It's not yeah. worth it, yeah. and. You know, if you choose that, that's fine, but you're really not looking at it holistically. There's a household of income, there's a household of expenses, and there is an upside. There, there is a future household yeah. income, which it, you know, if you're skilled, your 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 growth opportunity is going to be greater than your cost opportunity is going to increase. And you yeah. just that that kind of multi-dimensional view is what you're saying people need to be looking at, which I makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And it's also balancing. It's always this thing of balancing your present self and your future self. And we have this bias. We uh, look after the present self much more than the future self. And it's true. It's true. You know, when we try to go on a diet and, you know, the, the, <laughs> the temptation of this nice chocolate cake is just too strong. And then we will have this bias and choose the present self. But uh, when it comes to these decisions about, you know, when to stop work and what to do, et cetera, we have to think about the future self a lot more because actually we live longer than we think we will live because we tend to look at life expectancy at birth. But if you're over 50 or if you're over 60, your life expectancy is actually much higher, much, you know, you, you would yeah. live older than the average life expectancy at right. birth that is usually that you see in the media. Right. Because you've already made, because you've already made it through 60 yeah. years. If right. you've made it through 60, your life expectancy is probably closer to 90 than it is yeah. to 80, which would be the average life expectancy yeah. in the U S for example. Right. Yeah. So it's this, all these mistakes they're, they're, you know, they're all these. Leticia, that is have. such a common mistake. That is yeah. such a common mistake. I, I completely understand what you're saying. And the other thing you're saying is honestly, I think what you're saying is it's not just about financial well-being, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you devote, if you leave the workforce and you spend a hundred percent of time with your children, that might be the absolute a hundred percent sure in your mind, best answer today. But if you leave yourself nothing else to go and enjoy and be fulfilled with forget about financially mm. uh that 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 could create a whole bunch of other problems for you when you're exactly. older, you're emotional or what have you 
Exactly. Like the empty nest syndrome. It's so much worse when you have nothing else but your children. You have yeah. all these women who literally go through depressions because yeah. they feel they have no purpose in life. Right. So just don't put all your eggs in one basket. Just make sure you have, you know, as a person, you're not just a parent, you're, you're multiple things. And, and I think a lot of women make that mistake that, that basically, I'm not saying parenthood is not important. <laughs> I'm just no, saying of course it not. shouldn't be the only, it should never Understood. be the only thing. <laughs> like, like everything, um, you know, diversity and mod- and moderation are both good things. Yeah. Um, Leticia, let's, um, let me ask you to take your crystal ball out for a little bit and tell us a little bit about what the world of work might be like in, in a couple of years. It's going to be very different than it was. I mean, everyone, you, everyone, everything you read says, um, we were on the track that we're on. This just was an accelerant. Hmm. I, I don't. I, I think that's part of it, but there's probably more. So tell me a little bit about how you're thinking about the world of work. You know, a couple of years hmm. out of out from now. Well, I, I, unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, there are some things that I believe are changing very fast, and one of them is our our categories of of what what what's private and what's professional what's public and what's private and all those things are being redefined and that's why I I like this focus I have I like to have this lens of looking at the home the domestic sphere you know 300 years ago when we lived in the world of craftsmanship and peasants basically uh the home was the main economic entity and it was where you you both produced and you know, everything was kind of intertwined, both yep. productive work and so-called reproductive work, which is everything that has to do with reproducing the workforce, looking yep. after yourself, but also looking after the, your children, the future workforce, the workforce mm-hmm. of the future. All of that was just in one space. And then it was kind of brutally separated by the Industrial Revolution. And suddenly there was this very, very I mean, nasty separation between men in the factory, women at home. I'm exaggerating because it's more complex than that, but you see the idea, you see the picture. And then on the one hand, there was, you know, productive work that was noble, that was paid, and then reproductive work that was um, inferior, that was generally unpaid and dependent on productive work for support and pay. And we are going back to, I'm not saying we're going back to a pre-industrial era, not exactly. We're going back to a sort of, um, again, this is all mingled and this this separation between reproductive work on on one side and productive work on the other doesn't make any sense anymore. Also because everything's reproductive. I mean, who... I mean, how many people are busy making cars? I mean, actually making cars or making, I don't know, objects, physical, tangible Far objects. Far fewer than the Very used to few. Be. Exactly. Yep. I mean, it's a minority of workers. It's a very yes. small minority of the workers. Yep. So basically everyone else is busy reproducing something or or producing something that's not tangible. But in any case, this separation is a lot more blurry than it used to be and harder to define. And so it would lead to us questioning a lot of the institutions that we inherited from that industrial age and the categories that were created then. So what does privacy mean? What does the home mean? Um, how, How are 
how our chores divided, how um, what's paid and unpaid work. All these things are going through a very, very deep transformation. And I think that on the other side of that transformation in a post-COVID world, yep. a lot of things will be defined differently. Care is one of those things that will have to be completely redefined and where we will have um, basically we'll have to create more fluidity between paid and unpaid care for tomorrow's care to be much, much better. And, and this year has proved how terribly, how terribly bad our care institutions are and how, in fact, they led to, yeah, so many deaths, millions of deaths in the Western world are, can be attributed to the way care is delivered in elderly care homes. Are you? Are, does that mean, Letitia, that you're predicting more care from the home? So, yes, that's whether, that, whether that's whether yeah. that's bringing bringing elderly parents back into your home and 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 figuring out ways to provide for them or, or what have you, you're, you're seeing you're seeing that trend. Well. Yes and no. The trend of, you know, you looking after your own parents, that was, you know, this this traditional Italian family of the 19th <laughs> century. That's, That's right. That was, yeah, it was true in the past. But today it might look, it might look completely different. It might look like intergenerational households of people, you know, people of different ages living together because it makes sense for them or because they choose to, or groups of friends living together. I mean, any kind of solution that is is not the traditional nuclear family. So the term term care can be viewed much broader than the traditional way. Got it. Exactly. And we'll go away from that mass economy era of elderly care homes where you put everyone together in one room and it's basically like the factory and then you have economies of scale, right? You make them eat at the same time, the same shitty food, yep. <laughs> and then they really they receive horrible, I mean, neglectful yep. care. Yep. And you know, it's just and everything has to be efficient. And it's not human, it's not care, it's right. it's production, basically, right. it's, which is ironic because it's supposed to be reproduction, but it's That's right. <laughs> it's uh, it's organized like the factory floor. Right. And this is this has proved so deadly and so inhumane in so many ways mm-hmm. and it's already something that was questioned before the pandemic fewer people who are who reach the age of 70 or 75 and are reasonably healthy will want to go to such a facility to such an institution i mean i know for sure i don't want to go to an elderly i know home. for sure i don't either <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i will find a way you know what if i could find friends of different who want to live with me and then we can hire a nurse Right. to look after us and or what if we could move somewhere else where those services are cheaper and then we can live a better life in where whether it's thailand or the philippines or and that's a huge trend like um uk pensioners going through uh thailand to <laughs> to receive better care because nurses are so much cheaper there and they have a warm climate but of course, it means being separated from their families at home, which right. is not that easy. But at least they have care that's that's much better. I, I, that's not necessarily the solution that I put forward. But alternative forms of housing and organizing care, where you have the you know the input of a professional plus voluntary workers and people of your household who also will help you do the groceries for example because if you if you have if it's hard for you to walk and go outside you you can have someone in the household doing it for you 
a lot of things can be mutualized. Mm -hmm. And beyond the nuclear family of daddy, mummy, and kids, <laughs> there are so many things that, that could make lives easier for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes that to me that that covers perhaps a couple of things. So one, if you know, we talked about the industrial revolution whip, ripping people away from their homes to go work in factories or, or, or so there'll be less of that. So there'll be more, more work at the home. Yeah. Um, we, there will be more, there'll be more and varied living arrangements to, to cover the term care, whether it's elderly care or just people caring for one another, even childcare. Chuck, exactly. Um, what about career opportunities? So let, let's translate some of those trends to career opportunities. There are people who I know a lot of people who are dabbling around with things, whether it's um, they're a, a they're a athletic trainer doing Zoom videos instead of going to meet at a gym, or um, they're trying to make a living on social media. Good luck with that. Um, you know, trying to become influencers and and vlogs or what have you, but dabbling. There are people who are dabbling, and I feel like um, there's there a lot of people are are what they're lacking is a a direction. Like you know, they they see something, they do it. They see people doing Zoom videos, so they're going to do a Zoom video. They see people doing a vlog, so they're going to do a vlog. But if they want to be a little more strategic, Letitia. Um, you know, there are a lot of, for example, I have a son who's going to be graduating college this year and jobs are going to be challenging. But on the other hand, um, he and his friends can be thinking about how do we position ourselves for, for a year, two, three years down the road. Any thoughts on that? Hmm. That's a difficult question. I don't think there's a universal truth that applies to everyone and, and that would be that would work for everyone. But there are probably two things that would be true more or less for everyone is that you're much more likely to have to go through transitions in your careers and change jobs and change yeah. careers. And if you know that from the start, you will keep it, you will keep in mind that you will continue, you will you will train all along and keep some time for training. And depending on what you do, yep. it will mean different things, but that that's a, a big chunk of your work time that yep. will be devoted for training, whatever your age. So and invest, investing in yourself, upskilling yourself. Exactly. Okay. And that's true for, for self, for the self-employed, but that's also true for, employees um, who have to keep that in mind. And, and in fact, it's probably easier for the self-employed yep. because they know they will have to sell themselves and yep. their services. And, and, and that's a, a big chunk of it. Um, yeah. And I don't remember what the second thing was. I had a second thing and <laughs> yeah. So constant, yeah. Lifelong training, but I mean, lifelong training has been a big subject for a long time, but people didn't really mean it. Mm -hmm. And now we know that it's going to be a huge thing because if you're 50 or 55 and you find yourself in a situation of unemployment, as is the case with numerous people today, it's not, it's, I mean, 
it won't happen overnight. Uh, and some people might have to prepare for a transition that can take up to 18 months or two years because mm -hmm. it means learning a new trade, starting a business, or finding a new job somewhere else and a job that might not be at the same level than the, than the one you had before you lost your, before you lost it. Right. So um, with more, you know, ups and downs in terms of revenues and all that. So that leads us back to the question of managing our finances with, you know, ups and downs that are more frequent. So basically, yes, the two things are lifelong training. That's not anecdotal. Yep. That's a, a real thing. Yep. Keep in mind there are multiple transitions. So if you're up, if you feel that you're in a good position, that's exactly the time when you need to prepare the next transition. Yep. Because it's so much harder to prepare for it when, you, when you've lost everything and when you have nothing and when you're depressed. Being depressed is not a good place. No, you can't let yourself get to that point. No. What about the, um, the term gig economy. So there are so many people that I see, including one of my, I, I have four sons, one of my sons, um, I would, I would call he's 24 years old and he's kind of like a serial entrepreneur and um, no, he never really only has one thing going. He has multiple things going. And one of the things I, I asked him, like, you know, what's your business plan? He's like, dad, seriously? Like, it's mm -hmm. not about a business plan. It's about, it's about just get started, just give it a try and learn from that experience. Um, my generation, I, I understand it intellectually, but I, I but the living in that world um, is going to, would take quite a bit of adapt, uh, adaptation. Yeah. Um, I feel like the younger generation is kind of a little bit more prepared for something like that. And coming out of COVID, there may be even more of that. Have you, have, I'm just curious whether you've seen any of that and have any, and have any point of view on it. I would, I would totally identify with your son when he says, what a business model. I don't need that. <laughs> no, what you need is networks uh, and you need bigger networks. And that's, that's something that was very challenging during COVID because usually the strong connections that you build, you kind of need to meet people in the flesh and to, to build that kind of connection that will be solid enough for you to count on that person for a career move or right. for advice or for support of any kind. So that's challenging. But the young generation does have that advantage that they know how to grow networks online uh, right. better than older people maybe uh, because they've uh, you know they had they've had this all these social media accounts and um, have used this usually to complement real life relationships not to replace re real life relationships but anyway that's one way of of, of, um, of yeah uh, cultivating these networks and in a life of multiple transitions with careers that, go, that are going to be much longer, you need super solid networks and you need to continue growing them and you need them to be heterogeneous, sorry, to be, I don't know how to pronounce this, heterog heterogeneous. Yeah, yeah. Enough, yeah. yeah, to enable future career moves for future career transitions. Basically, if you know only people who work in consulting, you're not going to be able to change industries when during that transition. But if you know people who work in different industries, 
uh, your network is wide enough and varied enough that you have people you can count on for different types of, of transitions. That's worth a lot more. So continue to grow networks, what, however, whatever your age. Continue to learn new, new things, whatever your age, you, whatever your age is. Entertain that that neural brain plasticity that, in fact, we now know we have until we die. Uh, but we need to practice. The only yeah. reason why you can't teach an old dog a new trick. It's not because the old dog is old, but because it stopped learning. If you stop teaching them tricks. That's yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> um, that, that Letitia, you just summed up this conversation really well. As you were, as you were just speaking, I wrote down the three things that I learned from this um, conversation that I think are applicable to everyone. Um, you know, you mentioned continuous growth, totally, you know, or continuous upskilling of yourself. You spoke about um, continuously looking um, to grow and expand your networks, which frankly, that doesn't have to be a task. That just has to be a mindset because you can, you can expand your network every day. In fact, I met you today. You're now part of my network. Congratulations. Yes. Lucky Congratulations. me. You're part of mine. Um, Great. <laughs> and, 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 and the third thing I think is, you know, a lot of us, you, you talked about a lot of women specifically, but there are people broadly who, who are, are rushing away from work to take care of their home. And, and, and while we're not saying home isn't important, we're saying consider the long-term implications to your finances, to you personally, to your growth, um, and, and perhaps, perhaps reconsider an all-or-nothing strategy to something that's more flexible. That's it. Fantastic summary. I loved mm -hmm. meeting you today, Letitia. Thank you so, so much. I. I'm a big fan Thank of your you. podcast. I love reading Letitia at work. Um, I'm going to drop all the details and, and the links to, to your podcast and to your newsletter in the description to this podcast. And um, right. I will continue to follow you and we will keep in touch. Thank you so much for inviting me, Mitch. I had a great time. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye. So I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really did. So I mentioned at the beginning that I read Letitia's blog and I listen to her um, podcast and that I find her interesting. She's even more interesting in person. And I really um, hope that I can consider Letitia part of my expanded personal network because she's fascinating, insightful, and someone I really enjoy speaking with. And a couple of things she brought up today, which I thought were great. One, you know, how women making sacrifices, career sacrifices during the pandemic, while perhaps a good thing for family and kids, perhaps not a good thing for personal wellness, for um, future wellness, and for economic wellness of a family unit as a whole. So lots to think about there. I also thought it was fascinating how Letitia talked about how the workplace will is evolving. You know, how the pre-industrial revolution, you know, the workplace really revolved around the home, farmers, craftspeople, et cetera. Um, how it moved to big cities during the industrial revolution. And now we might be at a, an inflection point where more of a family's economic well-being and, and jobs are based at the home. 
again, none of this is, you know, absolute applies to everyone, but, but they are mega trends. Um, so I found the conversation to be incredibly interesting. I would love to have Letitia on again, some point in the future. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you can check out her podcast. You can check out her newsletter. You can check out her website. So with that quick reminder, check out the meet mediocrity, YouTube channel, five minute useful health and wellness videos with a little bit of fun baked in. I'll go to meetmediocrity.com, apply to the new, uh, uh, subscribe to the newsletter that we're putting out every week. It's nice, it's light, it's helpful. It helps you digest the entire week of Meet Mediocrity in just a minute or two. So with that, I once again wish you would all um, keep safe, stay healthy, get your vaccines, And keep smiling, keep moving, and stay well. Take care, everyone.